with such a broad geographic footprint, it really is challenging and difficult to prepare for every single type of outcome out there. And so having a plan that looks at what are the impacts and how we can prepare and respond to those makes it a lot easier for us to have an enterprise-level response. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Keith Bertheum, who is Enterprise Emergency Preparedness Program Manager at Boeing. Keith, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing well myself. Thanks so much for joining. Really appreciate you being here. And our focus today is Boeing's all-hazards approach to business continuity. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your career background and perhaps more specifically, your current role at Boeing? Uh, so I joined the military in the U.S. Air Force directly out of high school. Uh, in fact, uh, three days after graduation, I was sitting in basic training. Oh wow! I started out as a yeah. I started out as a firefighter and I graduated from the Federal Fire Academy in the early '90s. Uh, after a couple of years, I was selected for uh, combat search and rescue, which has uh, been a phenomenal opportunity for me. And along the way, I received my degree in fire science, and today I am the Enterprise Emergency Preparedness Program Manager for the Boeing Company. How did you transition from the U.S. Air Force to your emergency preparedness role at Boeing? Uh, so while on a deployment in Bosnia, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, meet and work with uh, several Boeing employees who were there uh, supporting the military and some of the military products. And we shared contact information. I got a chance to uh, show them some of the things that I did as, as well. Uh, a couple of years later, I received an email from the fire chief at the Boeing Mesa site in Arizona and invited me to apply for their department to help enhance their chase rescue program. So I took the opportunities and I uh, made the application and I was able to transfer to the United States Air Force Reserve and join Boeing. Then I've been very fortunate to learn and grow within the company and hold numerous positions from firefighter, training officer, a fire marshal, site security, site emergency preparedness, a business preparedness, and now at the enterprise level for emergency preparedness. Along the way, there were several military deployments, and uh, fortunately, after 20 years of service, I was able to retire back in 2012. I've recently celebrated 20 years with Boeing, and this is my fourth year managing the emergency preparedness program. Oh, wow. Well, Boeing is a really, really big company, and it's got a large global footprint. So I imagine you prepare for an overwhelming number of threats and emergencies out there. So what are some of the primary threat-related concerns for you and your team? Uh, Thank you. Yes, uh, Boeing has a very large footprint. So we have locations in every U.S. state in over 70 different countries. Uh, We take an all-hazards approach to emergency management. We standardize our uh, employee preparedness and emergency response plans for incidents such as earthquakes, fire, health emergencies, and, and advanced threat emergencies. We also have specific plans for natural disasters such as typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes, or flooding for all those at-risk locations. Uh, this allows our very mobile workforce to have a standard emergency response process uh, regardless of what site they're at. Uh, It allows us for uh, location-specific response plans for this really geographically um, broad focus risk. And I know that's a big part of the all-hazards approach, but for our listeners, can you maybe clarify some of the confusion around it? Like, what does all-hazards preparation mean? Yeah, so all-hazards really talks about it is regardless of what caused the incident, 
um, it, it impacts a company or individual in certain different ways. And so we look at it's not what caused the incident. We're looking at what are the impacts? Is it the impacts to our building? Is it impacts to our infrastructure? our supply chain, or our most important asset, which is our employees. Yeah, without a doubt. So it doesn't mean having a plan for absolutely every contingent thing that might happen. It just means more of an approach to be able to respond quickly, regardless of what might happen. Correct. With such a broad geographic footprint, it really is challenging and difficult to prepare for every single type of outcome out there. And so having a plan that looks at what are the impacts and how we can prepare and respond to those makes it a lot easier for us to have a uh, enterprise level response. Yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that if you plan for 50,193 things, the 50,194th thing will happen <laughs> next. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, when you first dove into the emergency preparedness program at Boeing, did you find anything unexpected or surprising? So, so yeah, it was really kind of about our all-hazards approach. It was how Boeing approached business continuity. It was regardless of that incident type. Like I said earlier, there are four ways we as a company could be impacted. The loss of our most important resources are our people our buildings, our supply chain, or our IT applications. Most incidents have the potential to impact more than one of these areas. So the protection of these four groups forms the basis for how we uh, perform business continuity. And so we have five different preparedness programs, each with a specific focus that allows us to prepare for, respond to, and quickly recover from an incident. We have information technology preparedness within our IT business group, and they focus on our critical applications and our IT infrastructure. We have business preparedness within our security and fire protection organization. And they focus on our critical business programs and creating detailed recovery plans for those business units. We have our supply chain preparedness. Um, it's also within security and fire protection. And they focus on maintaining a resilient supply chain and working with our suppliers. And emergency preparedness, which is what I lead, is where we focus on employee preparedness, life safety, and incident management. And lastly, in our most recent preparedness program is human resource preparedness. And that focuses on helping our employees recover their home lives after they experience an impact. These five preparedness programs, while they're independent in different organizations, they all work towards a common goal and follow a standard governance policy for us. You know, the last one you mentioned is pretty interesting with what just happened with the pandemic. It seems like that perhaps that became a more important thing um, over the last 18 months than it was previously, because previously people just went home and you know, had their family life uh, after hours, ha having worked in an office all day. And then now they're working from home all day. So if they don't have a place to essentially operate their business on a day-to-day -day basis, then the business can be in big trouble. So is that part of your, your five-step plan uh, or, you know, five groups really grown? Oh, I would say it, it definitely has. I know our human resources uh, team, they have been you know, working diligently to make sure that employees have the resources needed and the abilities to be able to connect online and connect with the different teams as much as possible. So absolutely, it's been a struggle for all of them. And I believe with all five of the elements working together, because even our IT preparedness group, we're making sure that we have the technology and the bandwidth to be able to support, you know, a significant increase in the number of employees logging in remotely versus uh, what we used to have. So it really did take the entire all five elements to come together um, to make sure that we're able to still support the businesses. Well, can you give us other examples of how Boeing applied the all hazards approach to an emergency that resulted in a positive outcome? Sure. Um, so previously we had a hurricane that uh, caused displacement of our uh, people due to mandatory evacuations. 
We had some damage to uh, one of our buildings with some storm damage, and actually a little bit of damage and uh, water infiltration to one of our data centers. They impacted several of our suppliers and transportation providers. Mm. Additionally, as employees were returning to their homes after the mandatory evacuations were lifted, several of them had sustained damage to their homes. So in this case, each preparedness program implemented their response recovery process, and the company activated an area coordination team to ensure an integrated and coordinated response. We're able to quickly recover our buildings and data center to assist our employees in returning to their homes and to work with our suppliers and transportation service providers and provide alternatives. Currently, on the other side of the U.S., there are several active wildfires that are causing mandatory evacuations of some of our employees' homes and causing air quality issues. And it did cause a suspension of operations at some of our sites. So once again, the, the preparedness team, which were already activated on one side of the U.S., just you know, continued using their processes, implemented the response recovery processes, and assisted our displaced employees and the location where we have lost of use of our buildings because of the air quality. So similar responses would have been taken if we had an earthquake or any other natural disaster. It's the impacts of these incidents that drive our response and recovery tactics. Often within the business continuity community, there's a focus on risk mitigation and putting significant dollars into preventing and reducing impacts from a certain incident type. You know, we do apply risk mitigation strategies in our processes, especially when it comes to physical risk mitigation, but we also prepare for the impacts from that incident. So we look at our businesses and ask that question, what would happen if you didn't have access to your entire team? Or if the IT application you relied upon so much is no longer there? Or what would happen if the buildings your team's working is no longer habitable? or if you could not receive a certain part from a supplier on schedule. We then build detailed preparedness and recovery plans to hopefully allow us to pivot and recover the businesses quickly. And you mentioned something earlier about an area coordination team, which I was thinking about this earlier. With such a large company operating in every state in the U.S. and then many different countries, do you try to run everything out of like a central headquarters location and then just bring people online in remote locations when something happens? Or do you have teams positioned all throughout the world that are like, they can jump in and, you know, take over to, to help folks get through certain things? Uh, great question. Uh, you know, we do model our emergency management process similar to how FEMA does it as far as the incident starts and ends locally. So we have site emergency management teams and incident management teams that really manage the incident. They own that process, and they utilize a standard common operating picture that we all do. Um, as things grow and sometimes become larger and impact more than just one location, we increase the amount of resources available. We activate an area coordination team, and this would encompass a larger geographic region of the United States. On the international side, we have areas of, of the world that have been kind of broken down to large groups of the world. And so we have incident management teams that help provide that overall command and control for those large countries out there as well. So the area coordination teams, while they don't own or manage the incident, they are there to help provide integrated and coordinated response activities when we have multiple incident management teams activated in a certain large scale area. Okay, got it. And of course, you know, I'm not going to let you get away without talking about the biggest issue that's happened in, in recent memory. But um, I read a recent article that Security Magazine published on Boeing, and it mentioned your crisis management working group that has really helped get the company through the pandemic. I, I found it pretty fascinating, and I don't want to steal any of your thunder here. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit more about the program? what it helped accomplish, and why it's so successful. Absolutely. The Crisis Management Work Group is led by our Chief Security Officer, and depending upon the incident type, it's comprised of the senior business leaders, 
for the impacted areas and functions. In the case of COVID and, and the pandemic, uh, it impacted all aspects of our company and everyone else, honestly, around the world. So we really needed a global response. And the chief security officer established a unified command with our chief medical officer. And the other members of the group consisted of various country business leaders, uh, our facilities groups, human resources, uh, legal and law department, our environmental health and safety group, and many other functions. These senior leaders established the company's response and strategy and policies. Having senior leaders all together on a team is a significant force multiplier because the executives at the highest level of the company were able to ensure implementation of an integrated and coordinated response. Seamless coordination and a unified direction from this leadership team is essential to get all the businesses, all the functions and employees on the same page and following the same mitigation protocols in a worldwide pandemic. Having a cross-functional senior executive team leading our COVID-19 strategies and policies it gives us that consistency, and it was a hugely successful for us. As I read the article, it seemed to me that four critical items really stood out, and that is, number one, top-down support, which you just mentioned. If it's not coming from the top, then people generally don't want to pay attention. The second one I noticed was just that real-time collaboration. Third is communication, because you don't know what's going to happen. You can't plan for everything, so you got to communicate in real time. And then the last piece I thought was pretty interesting was benchmarking because this was a novel situation and you had to kind of compare yourself to other folks to see, are we even doing the right thing? Is someone doing better than us? Of those four things, the top-down support, real-time collaboration, communication, and benchmarking, which do you think is the most critical, even though they're all critical, which is the most important, do you think? For me, in my experience, it's been the, the real-time collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of experience on our senior leadership team. We're very familiar with the ins and outs of our company and what the specific needs are. So when you think about the issue that was occurring in China and how it was impacting the teams in China, which is much different than how it was affecting the teams in the United States early on. And as it started to grow more and more, as more countries started becoming impacted and affected by this pandemic, Having all these country vice presidents on the call to talk about the impacts, what the resources they needed, what kind of support they needed, that real-time collaboration where we can quickly get together and say, this is what we need, this is how we're going to get it to them, was very successful for us. Well, as you, as you look back and consider your very long tenure with Boeing and all the amazing work that you and your team have accomplished over the years, what are you most proud of? Uh, for me, uh, I am extremely proud of how Boeing has responded to the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic. You know, at the end of December 2019, we saw a notification about an unusual uh, virus in Wuhan, China. As we monitored the virus early in January, our, our crisis management working team was activated specifically address the issues and challenges facing our teams in, in Asia. As we uh, established an enterprise incident management team, we helped procure and distribute PPE for our teams overseas. We also started purchasing PPE for our teams here in the United States. As the virus continued to grow, we expanded our structure to establish international incident management teams and a domestic area coordination team. We engaged with our business units early and included them in all the strategies and decision-making. When PPE started becoming scarce, we were able to provide uh, a PPE to our teams and avoid a suspension of operations, which was important given our, our continued support of the two critical sectors, aviation, transportation industry, and the defense programs. It, it was essential um, during the pandemic that we're able to continue operating. Our early preparedness activities and integrated response allowed us to ensure all of our business units had the PPE needed to continue operations in accordance with relevant guidance. 
I mean, it's one of the proudest moments of business continuity and how incident response teams should be working together to, you know, create a, a common goal and achieve it. Yeah, and reading that article that was in the magazine, it just, it was like a textbook example of how you should respond. So it was really fantastic. Um, everyone likes to know what are the lessons learned coming out of incidents with all your experience having gone through the pandemic as well, did you notice anything that just, you're like, wow, never thought that could have happened. What are some of the lessons learned that came out of there? Maybe the top one or two that you would share with other people. So early on, um, early recognition, obviously is one of the key elements to any really good executed plan, but having a pandemic plan already in place for us, we we, um, took that plan, reviewed it with everybody, all of our senior leaders to make sure it was still applicable. You know, we hadn't had to use it for quite a while. And mm-hmm. so, but having that plan and, and doing a real quick update to make sure that it met our current needs and then implementing that plan was hugely successful for us. And again, I think the other big lessons learned for us was that the greatest collaboration at the earliest and the highest level is what is making us the most successful. So, uh, we, you know, we wanted to make sure that as we move forward with future events, hopefully never a large-scale worldwide event again, that we're able to utilize what we've learned here, get the highest level uh, leaders together quickly and have that collaboration and discussions and making sure that we're meeting the needs of all of our employees and the business units at the same time. Yeah, without a doubt, don't delay. Don't sit back and pretend like it's not happening. Just get in front of it. That's huge. And if you think about the individual employees, individual contributors out there, I mean, it's pretty impressive to run an organization the size of Boeing with that many people remote. It, it like it. What was the largest number of people working remotely at the height of the pandemic for you guys? It was in the tens and tens of thousands, right? It, it was it, initially on. Yes, there was a large proportion of our employees. Uh, over fifty percent of our employees were uh, working remotely. And I believe that one time we were right around 70,000 employees working remotely. Wow. That's unbelievable. Well, we'd like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with a piece of advice or a best practice that they can take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. So what do you believe the audience can and should do today to improve their emergency preparedness or overall safety culture? Um, I would say look beyond the type of incident and what caused the bad thing to happen and think about what was the impact. Focus on what really occurred. What was the loss that you experienced? There seems to be a large focus on IT and critical applications within the business continuity community. But think more broadly about you know, what you need to operate your business. For example, uh, you know, instead of focusing solely on the loss of an IT application, also, what happens, you know, when the employees are not able to use them or, or the, the building that's housing the data center is compromised. Think about a broader range of potential impacts from a natural disaster or other incident and then create detailed recovery plans to help enable you to quickly respond to and recover from any incident type. Yeah, that's great advice. I think part of the, the reasoning for that is the business continuity industry seems to have grown out of the disaster recovery industry, which was really firmly rooted in IT years ago. So it it tends to lean that way. So that's really good advice to think the end result, the impact. Yes, you've got IT systems down, but ultimately they're they're there to support the business and the people uh, doing their jobs. Um, Ultimately, it's it's how can you continue on delivering to your customers (laughs) that you got to really worry about. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. Thank you very much. I greatly enjoyed it. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan during an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. 
Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.